Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Daybreak Crypto. We have two great topics today. First up, Olympus Dow. There is a lawsuit from one of their seed investors alleging that the co-founders cheated him out of nearly $20 million worth of tokens. Olympus Dow is a very controversial project in DeFi. It was a tremendously successful execution from a, a price appreciation standpoint, and it really dominated the conversation for a while, but it has crashed 95% over the past couple of months. And the the token, I think it reached a price of well over $1,000, $1,300, something like that. And, and it, it had a tremendous run last year, and now it's crashed down to the, the mid-20s. So this was a very controversial project. They were trying to establish a digital reserve currency. And we talked about it amongst ourselves, trying to figure out what was going on with this thing, trying to dissect their paperwork. And it was really difficult. I immediately put it in the too hard pile of my brain and just ignored it. And I missed the great run, but I also missed a huge crash. And so we really couldn't figure it out. It was overly complicated the way they described it. And at the end of the day, it appears to have been a very blatant Ponzi scheme. And it was kind of something that we thought it was. So this complaint, it's one of the seed investors who supposedly, he alleges that once he started selling some of his very initial tokens that he bought at a significant discount, the founders penalized him by withdrawing his ability to redeem his tokens. So he is stuck at the moment with 3.9 million precursor tokens that he cannot exchange because he alleges the founders withdrew the smart contract, thereby canceling his ability to, to convert into the token that he could actually sell and, and take profit on. So this is an interesting case of pseudonymous, pseudonymous founders and the ability for an investor to take action against being scammed, allegedly, um, against the terms of the agreement. So this, uh, the Olympus DAO, it wasn't a registered entity. And with the identities being a secret, the alleged complaint here says they did this on purpose to make it hard. It was designed to be difficult for an investor to take action. A lot to unpack here. I'll pause. Greg, what is your read on the situation? Um, well, I think that, I mean, that, like you said, if that's, if it's something where it's making it hard for the investor to take action, that seems like that is not something they should be doing. I mean, to put it simply, I guess, um, if this person was given these tokens as payment, then they should be able to do with them what they want. Um, there, unless there was some sort of, you know, vesting schedule or something, but it doesn't seem like there was anything like that in place. So that just seems like they're kind of changing the, uh, parameters after the fact, which is a no, no. Yeah. That's the thing, right? If this was truly a decentralized DAO, that should all be codified in the smart contract and it should be immutable. I mean, that's the premise. However, 
clearly is not the case. So this is an alleged complaint. I think it's easy for anybody to come back. If, if you were an investor, a seed investor, and your, your investment has crashed as badly as Olympus Dow, there's going to be all sorts of people coming through the woodwork trying to take action against the, the company's, you could call it negligence to, to actually deliver. But I mean, this guy, he put in 50 grand alleged in the complaint. He says he put in 50 grand. And at the time, I mean, if he had, if he had 4 million OHM tokens at a price of a thousand dollars, you know, that, that guy controls the ability to tank. I mean, he could have, it's a lot of money. You know, yeah, so, but I feel like if if there's no sort of vesting in place, then you know he he invested early, he got lucky, and he should be able to sell that and make a windfall off it. If they're not going to put any sort of protections in place beforehand, you know, I completely agree. I completely I mean, agree. That's on, yeah, that's on the protocol then for giving him that much um, liquidity then, and then they shouldn't be able to just take it away from him. I mean, it's it sucks that he had that much, but he should be able to sell it when he wants. And that's another thing. Like if he was just, if he was holding it and then later on said, oh, they, you know, tanked the price and blah, 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 that doesn't really matter. But the fact that he's forced to help hold it against his own will, um, I think is, I think he has a pretty legitimate complaint here. Yeah. And in the, in the token agreement, it states that this token was going to, the first tranche was going to vest at a rate of 2% of the token supply. And then it's another section that says it was going to be line linearly calculated at a maximum at all times of 3.5% of the total protocol. So this was going to be a vested thing where he wasn't, apparently there was some discussion, yes, about how the vesting schedule would look. And so this is really, it's, it's, it's on them to remain to, true to their word. And the, I think the real problem here is the pseudonymous, pseudonymous, I can never say it, feature of, of the team here. And I think that's really something we discuss a lot is, is this okay for founders to control billions of dollars of market cap and not dox themselves? Is it not okay? And so this is really the heart of the issue, I think, is the, the inability for the investor to take action and do recourse when this happens, it's, it's a super huge problem and it's, it's the wild west. And if you're, if you're deploying capital, you have to be aware of it. And I don't really know how else to, to say it. So, um, yeah, I just want to mention one, just like to the point of the, how much this ohm has swung in price. Uh, it says in terms of us dollars, Mr. Lang is owed in the range between 20 million and 2 billion based on the significant price fluctuations between today's <laughs> price and the highest price to vote. So, I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's well, check this, swing. check this out. So I looked at the complaint at the bottom of yeah. the CoinDesk link. You can look at the complaint and he yeah, actually mentions, yeah, he, he only ever redeemed 830 of his tokens. So he's, he's sitting on over three, it's 3,999,170 uh, precursor tokens that he can't redeem. And so for whatever reason, completely unredeemable now, right? Like that's, yeah. you can't really do anything with them. And it's like, man, he only redeemed 830. Like, did they, did they really get that twisted up about that amount of selling? I mean, 
I guess if I was on there on the founder side, I would be freaking out too. Cause it's like, okay, this guy's a whale here. He could, he could be really messing with the price, but at the same time, it's like, that's the agreement you signed. So I don't know. It's hard to tell. You never really know what's going on when you're a, a bystander on these things, but um, a crazy case of uh, investors lacking the, the ability to take recourse. And I mean, that's a lot of money. So um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what the how this goes forward. No doubt about it. We'll be watching it closely. Yeah. And then, I mean, to, to kind of pivot here, this is another topic that we've been watching closely and talking about. We have a, a link through uh, the recent Ronin Axie Infinity hack that, that you've got here. Yeah. So this is um, a hack that happened a couple months ago. Um, Axie Infinity, one of the most popular uh, DeFi games. Uh, their Ronin bridge was uh, exploited for over $60 million in crypto. Um, and nobody really knew exactly who was in charge of this. So there's been ongoing investigations. And on Thursday, the U.S. Treasury Department, along with the FBI, had marked uh, the North Korean hacking group called Lazarus as responsible for this $60 million hack. A uh, quick background on Lazarus. They are a group of North Korean state-sponsored hackers who have been targeting crypto since at least 2017. Uh, until 2021, the majority of this was directed towards centralized exchanges, mainly in South Korea and elsewhere in Asia. However, in the last year, they have turned more to DeFi services. And uh, this hack of the Ronin Bridge is their largest to date and the uh, creators of the network sky mavis are actually located in vietnam so this does kind of go with their pattern of hacking um south korean and other asian uh, entities um so the eth address with the stolen funds uh, was added to the treasury department's sanctions list and uh, a wallet profiler called nason labeled this as the ronin bridge exploiter in the uh, ethereum or the ETH log, whatever, the ETH scan. Um, Coindesk also has independently confirmed that this is tied to the Ronin hack. So it's pretty definitive that this group was the one hacking. Um, currently, the wallet holds about 148,000 ETH, uh, worth around $600 million, depending on market value at the time. Um, actually, I thought this was really cool. So there's a tracing firm called Elliptic, that kind of went through the wallet and they estimated that about 18% of the funds have already been laundered. Um, the first thing they did was they swapped all the USDC for ETH so that it couldn't be frozen. Uh, they did this through decentralized exchanges, which don't have KYC or anything uh, AML really involved. So they were able to swap it without revealing their identities at all. But then they chose to launder about 17 million of it through a couple of centralized exchanges, which obviously is not the smartest idea. And I believe that's actually part of how they got caught. Um, they then changed their strategy and they used Tornado Cash to launder about $80 million worth of ETH out. And they have about another $10 million that's being prepared to be used um, to go through Tornado. So in total, they've laundered around 107, or 107 million of the money, but there's still about 400 million sitting in the original wallet that is now marked as a um, North Korean hacker group wallet. So it's that's pretty much blacklisted at this point. Um, 
I think this is really awesome that they were able to, you know, track this through the blockchain and um, determine this uh, relatively quickly before the hacker was able to get away with a lot of this money. Uh, what do you think about this? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's it's just a testament to the eyes that are watching the blockchain. And so the the claim that everybody's using this to hack and get away with scams, it's a little bit it's, it's a little bit too much because it's clear that they're able to blacklist the insanely bad actors. And I think that it's on the one hand, a privacy concern for everyday users, but on the other hand, it's reassuring that you can, you can expect repercussions for massive, massive issues. Now that money's still gone though, right? That that's just now, unless they can somehow seize it, but if it's, if it truly is a North Korean group, like good luck. Now, yes, the, the 433 million is still sitting in the original wallet, so there could potentially be some sort of recourse there. But the other 107 million is likely gone. Yeah, yeah, and I want to claim uh, there was this interesting sentence. So it says that this is the first time that the Treasury's sanction office has blacklisted an alleged Lazarus-held crypto wallet. A source told CoinDesk. So. Big deal. And then this group, I my background is cybersecurity, uh, venture capital, and so I'm familiar with them. I mean, I want to point out that this group is was alleged allegedly behind the 2017 WannaCry ransomware hack. So this was a massive thing that happened in 2017, shutting down hundreds of thousands of computers in 150 countries. And it was uh, a huge, huge deal responsible for a massive amount of economic damage. So this group is very, very top level, top tier advanced threat group. And I was surprised to see it was linked to that. They were linked to the Ronin hack, um, allegedly, you know, so this is this is definitely huge news and there will be repercussions for sure moving forward. Um, you know, it, to, to, to realize that this group is behind a lot of these these hacks is a big deal. So, yeah, and I think if they can connect this wallet to other ones, I mean, they said here that, you know, identification of this wallet will make it clear to other actors that by transaction, transacting with it, they risk risk exposure to U.S. sanctions. So I think that's number one going to basically shut down any sort of transactions or sales that they would be trying to do out of this wallet. And I mean, other than tornado cash, they really don't have a lot of options on ways to get it out. And now that we know where the original wallet is, that should be at least somewhat feasible to maybe track. Um, yeah. Dex is nobody's going to want to touch this money. Nobody's going to want to touch this money, yep. even if you're yeah, at Dex. Was, yep. Cause what, what are you going to do with it? So, all right, well, hey, this we're, we're coming up on time. This has been a great, great morning conversation with you, man. Um, hope you have a great holiday weekend. We will be back next week for more Daybreak Crypto every day. So looking forward to it, man. Sounds good. Have a good one.